0: Welcome to the CRE Podcast, 100% Canadian, 100% commercial real estate. Now here are your hosts, Aaron Cameron and Adam
1: Pawatik. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Podcast powered by First National. We're recording live here at the Vancouver Real Estate Forum as part of our forum series. Our guest today is Remco Dahl, the President of Canadian Real Estate at Quadrille Property Group. Thanks for coming on, Remco. Thanks very much, guys. So, yeah, we always kind of start, yeah, why real estate? How did you end up getting into this business, and, and what what motivated
0: you? Well, you know, it's uh, it goes back to university days. I was a co-op student at Laurier, and, you know, I didn't really know what exactly I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be in business, and so I had a co-op work term in HR, and I hated that, and then I had a co-op work term in sales selling ivory shampoo and head and shoulders for Procter & Gamble, and... It was Perfect. kind of cool selling, but uh, but it wasn't a lot of fun. Perfect uh, stepping stone yeah, for real step, estate. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then uh, some guys came on uh, and recruited on campus from a company called Indicon, which is a private developer in North York. And they sold me on the merits of this asset class and the opportunity. And they were all driving nice cars, and I thought that was a great place to be. So, uh, so I, I went there for a co-op term, had an unbelievable four months, and uh, they offered me a job when it was all over, agreed to pay for my MBA, and... So I said, Perfect. this is a great place to be. That was 1989. Wow. So good year for real estate. Yeah, good year. <laughs> so they were just, we we're just at the precipice of the market, the market collapse. Those guys lost their cars. Yeah, before. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and then you so, had a life lesson the next
0: and couple I had a, Yeah, so I came back from my MBA and they honored their deal and I had a job and I showed with, up there. With and, nothing to do. With no, well, yeah. <laughs> so, so I was uh, I was new guy. I, I didn't have much of a portfolio to lease, so they put me in leasing to start with. I didn't know a hell of a lot. And uh, they said, okay, you know, you're gonna work, you're gonna work with this guy, a fellow on uh, leasing some industrial property. And then uh, less than three months later, um, they laid off half the team and they kept the young guy cause he was chief the labor. cheapest, <laughs> cheap labor. <laughs> and uh, I got some great experience learning how to lease property with no capital to lease property when the banks were all over you. And I learned to appreciate what it means to have capital. And uh, it was an incredible experience. So, two years there, and uh, we went through double CAA. Full what, is, what is uh, that? So, company creditors arrangement act. So, basically, when the banks are after you and you say, I want to stay of execution, will I try and cut a deal with my creditors? And, you know, we tried to do that and ultimately were unsuccessful. But, you that was uh,
1: a great learning experience. It was an
0: incredible learning experience. And so, I credit that, you know, to a lot of the way I think about. Risk in real estate. I don't think we've ever seen anyone, you know, post the early 90s, no one's really seen a big hit or a big like challenge that, like yeah. that. Yeah, the US certainly saw some deeper cuts, but Canada, nothing like that. And so people look back to 08, 09 and say it wasn't that tough. But relative to the early 90s, Nothing. I was of-
2: uh, I was trying to find a job in 2008, nine. That was tough. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, bet, uh,
1: yeah, yeah, uh, yeah My yeah. first
2: job in real estate I was looking for, but we, yeah, in terms of losses, it was not uh, like the States. No.
1: The number of people in real estate that have actually never experienced true downturn. There's a lot of us now, right? I mean, if you were born after sort of the, Early eighties, late seventies. You've never really you know, really felt the pain. Well you right? could
2: take you could tell because Aaron, of course, is a lender and you had to ask what you were talking about in terms of <laughs> <laughs> the
1: yeah, 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 a, yeah, yeah. 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 So, then, so then where did you end up? So
0: like you had in 708 tough to find a tough to find a gig. So I was in leasing and I took a step back and I went into research for a company called C I B C Development Corp. And C I B C Development Corp was the real estate arm of the bank. And they saw the, the success that real estate developers were having with their money and decided they, uh, they should be in the space. I learned a lot about being on the tenant side of real estate through them and
1: also the development side. Now, that, so. that entity, because that's come up a number of times in these sort of historic stories. That was, there was sort of an all-star group out of that, uh, that company. Like, so our, our episode number four is a gentleman named Dave Morrison, whose first Nationals had a credit, yep. worked with you at the time. And there are a number of other individuals that are now you know, very successful in the industry. Do you, any, can you yeah. point why? What was it about that CIBC Development Corp that just happened to sort of nurture all of these very successful people? Well, I mean, you know, it went through the crisis
0: aided by the fact that it was owned by the bank. That certainly, certainly helped it, but they assembled a pretty darn good team. I was very fortunate to, to work with some great, great people. People you probably still come across today. Oh yeah. No, it, uh, you know, the, um, we were doing all kinds of things. I mean, one of the things I had to to work on my early days was kind of distressed debt and evaluating distressed debt. So going to, you know, a senior's home where you had paper that was worth more than the more than the seniors home and trying to assess exactly what you might get at the end of the day or a or a strip plaza or a, a bar and trying to understand you know what what underpinned your security and then ultimately underwrite that debt and buy it hmm. so we were buying distressed debt portfolios at one point in in the CIBC DC days so there are just so many creative things that we were doing at that point in time how big of a discount would you be buying it at in the, those days oh god it was crazy i mean we we would we would do, you know, okay, well, let's say it's a, it's a senior's home and you, you think that the buyer ultimately has the credit to pay you in five or six years. You discount that 15% a year and then you'd ultimately go and borrow the money to actually buy the debt. So you, you're relievered on the actual buy and you had a 15% discount. So if ultimately that person paid out, it's one hell of a good day, even if they paid out at 85 cents on the dollar. So we learned so a lot. Even if you took a loss, you're, yeah. you're still it gaining. Very, it. was a very, oh you, yeah. Assume you were taking a loss, right? You're not. You're you're paying sixty or fifty cents on the dollar to buy the debt in the first place. Right. Assuming you're going to get
1: more than that when you absolutely, get it back, absolutely. and you're levered it up, and
0: you levered it up. So, uh, wow. so the U.S. banks came in. They taught us a lesson. We partnered with a couple of U.S. banks in those distressed debt days, and they had done it through the savings and loan crisis in the U.S. and were just coming to Canada to show us how it was done. Made out like bandits. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and then and then where? Then so uh, so CIBC Development Corp wound up in uh, roughly 2000. So you know, towards the end of my uh, career there, I was spending more time in asset management, and so I was really looking for an asset management career. And I went to talk to a company called Penrill, and uh, Gary Whitelaw was running Penrill at the time. It was relatively new, and I. Uh, took on a role, which, you know, Canada's a small place. I was starting to realize that at that point in time. And uh, knowing the GTA and knowing leasing and knowing a little bit about asset management probably wasn't going to be enough to, if you really wanted to understand the institutional market in Canada. So, uh, so the opportunity was to go to Vancouver and work on a, a pension fund account that was about $600 million with Penreal as an mm-hmm. advisor called British Columbia Investment Management Corp. And uh, that was kind of my introduction to BCIMC. So uh, I got a small portfolio to work on, and what kind of assets? Retail, office, industrial, and, uh, and was that predominantly in BC or were they all over the country uh, I had Western? Or? I had Western Canada. Okay, so it was and it was great little portfolio to work on, and you know, the BCI at the time was in in a growth mode, and Penrill, which was a predecessor company to Bentall Investment Management and what what is now Bentall Kennedy, was. You know, was was one of their key advisors. Uh, GWLRA was another advisor. Peteel Goodman at the time was an advisor. So we had a th- you know a third of the business, and we were growing it. So uh, great place to learn. You know, you started to get that. Well, started to get that institutional headspace around where real estate fit into a pension fund, why it was important, what characteristics of of real estate made it the kind of asset class that could be enduring and delivers on what is perfect. Regular
1: income, and so what proportion of the f- overall book was real estate at the time? How does that differ from from today? From today, well, their their target is higher teens today. Back
0: then, what it wasn't, it might have been eight or ten percent. Okay, why oh, the increased appetite? Oh, well, I think it's the recognition. in In the early days, people used to refer to real estate as an alternative asset class.
1: They still do. Uh, yeah, I know was, yeah, yeah, it still so, falls in that bucket. Now we
0: look. Now we speak to alternatives yeah. like. Self-storage or land lease or... Solar energy. Yeah, energy. yeah. <laughs> but, but back then, real estate was an alternative asset class. And now I would suggest that for many of the, well, certainly for the Canadian pension, pension plans, it's core to their plans and an increasing share of their overall portfolios. So today we would represent about 14% of BCI's overall assets for the uh, the pension funds they represent.
2: And is it one of the higher yielding segments of their uh, holdings? Uh, it's, I mean, well, private
0: equities, you know, certainly strong done and, well, and, yeah. and you could have years when equities are solid. But but I think what's so great about real estate is that income profile. You know, it, you could have ups and downs in capital appreciation, but the income profile is bulletproof. If you're buying great quality assets and you're not really worried about, you know, 12 months from now or 24 months from now, you're really worried about 20 years from now and you're, you're after the best assets going to deliver the most, the strongest income characteristics. So I think just seeing how real estate's performed for the major plans, including BCMC over the last 20 years, it's easy to understand why many of them increase their allocations.
1: So do you want to then, so from that, how did Quadrio come about and maybe just talk about the inception of Quadrio and what it looks like today?
0: Well, so I was at Bentall Kennedy for uh, the better part of 16 years, 2000. So you're, so you're working for Bentall Kennedy while advising on the BCI? Uh, well, Pen, Penreal ultimately got assumed into Bentall okay, Kennedy. Okay. And so Bentall Kennedy was the group that I worked with. I ran the Canadian operations for Bentall Kennedy for the better part of 16 years. Mm-hmm. And with BCI as a very significant client. Yeah. When I started, we were a couple of hundred million with BCI, by the time I left, we were roughly $9 billion of their business. Wow. So over 16 years, pretty significant growth. And BCI was changing. It's one thing when you've got a billion dollars in real estate. It's another thing when you've got $20 billion in real estate. And they decided that if they wanted to take it to the next level and go global, that they ultimately needed to control their platform. And so if you look at uh, their peers, whether it's Oxford, owned by Omers, Cadillac Fairview, owned by Ontario Teachers, the case owns Ivanhoe Cambridge. So the model in Canada is actually quite well-trodden in terms of the way they could go about that. And so they owned a piece of Bentall Kennedy at the time. And uh, ultimately, uh, when Bentall Kennedy was sold to Sun Life, they had the ability to, uh, to, at some point, buy a piece of their business back with people. So I was part of that, part of that acquisition and charged with kind of building the Canadian business and ultimately creating a platform for them here in Canada. And so, what year was that? That was uh, June of 2016 that we announced uh, the formation of quadrille And were you involved in the naming? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a cool name. It really is, if you, if you think about so it. So, if you ever if you ever want to go totally crazy, try to invent a name for anything. <laughs> try
1: and go and get well, the dot. Wait, try get the dot com. Adam and I. Shared, here's the 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 creativity of Adam and I. Commercial real estate podcast. There That's we go. Well done, we well got. done, guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so so yeah. So I had some responsibility in this, but effectively, it's you know I, I mentioned I worked for. Penril, Pension Fund Real Estate. We were looking at trying to get some BC connection. There was uh, Quadra Island, and there was thought, well, Quadra Capital, something along those lines that kind of create this attachment to BC without being over the top for global investment. And uh, we got a consultant, like everybody does in, in this space, and they came up with a really cool logo. And I thought, well, and we, we had no time. We were like April, and we need to be, we need to launch in June. And I said, well,
1: Someone bought the dot .com for six hundred bucks, and off we are to the races. And do you, now? Do you play on the quad side of it? There's there are other four pillars of your business, or do you well, actually, yeah. Four, so they said. Four. So what are you
0: talking about? Romco was like, why call ourselves Quadra? I said, well, you know, we're in four asset classes: office, residential, retail, industrial. We're bringing together four companies: people from GDLRA, people from Bentall, people from Realstar, and people from DCI. We want to invest in the four corners of the world. And if you guys got a better idea between now and June 1st, <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> tell me what it is because yes. we're, we're in a hurry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we got the dot com. So what more do you want? Yeah. So uh, yeah, no, register it in Canada, register it in the U.S., register it in Europe and Asia. That's a, And the last thing you want to do is get challenged. You want to have a clear path to a name. Once you start staking it on $2 million worth of signs, you know you better have something that sticks. Great. So then what was day one like? Day one was uh, emotional. I mean, because, you know, it was effectively separating from a number of guys that I worked with, with for a long, long time. And so, uh, so you know, great, great, great group of people uh, that taught me so much, but also recognizing that this would be good for Bental Kennedy and, and the growth of that organization and certainly good for the team that came with me to Quadrill. But we had a lot to do. We started on June, June 1st, 2016. We basically had to be up and running systems, everything, desks for 500 people by uh, February 1st, 2017.
2: And day one, so, it's a very large portfolio that you're... Yeah, yeah day uh,
0: one, we took yeah. on the, all of the uh, office and industrial portfolio that uh, Bentel Kennedy managed and the retail portfolio and the
2: residential portfolio came a year later. Any uh, growing pains in the first couple of months? Or adaption pains, I suppose, would be a... Uh. You know what? I was just... I mean, you think about
0: all the mechanical things associated with building a company, like getting an HR system and you know, where people are going to sit and how you're going to pay them and building out office space, you know, we went from four people to what is now and three years later 1,050 people. Yeah, exactly. Did you get bogged
1: down on who sits where and who gets offices You didn't have who time, for, you didn't have time yeah. for that. You just kind of like,
0: you know, and, and I think generally the energy associated with building kind of creates a – takes care of a lot of that for you. People don't get Caught knotted up. up. And also – there are no rules when you're building something. I mean, you, you have general rules of the road, but all, all you know is you got to get it done by a certain
1: date. What, what was your favorite part of that, ex, that experience, that exercise?
0: I just loved seeing people jacked about what they were doing. I mean, I think that was, the, that was really what... And what, we was, what was the opposite? What was the worst part of that experience? I don't think I've ever worked harder in my life. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so, yeah, no, it was, it was a very, uh, very, very cool experience because I think a lot of people were taken out of their comfort zone. You included, presumably. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you know, you're up at five in the morning. You're googling names for this new venture. Like, well, there's got to be a better use of my time. Like, what am <laughs> I doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, it was a great. It was a it was a great launch. I think as I look back now, we're like I said, all the assets have been brought into Quadril. We've we've grown substantially. Like I said, from four people back in June of 16 to
2: oh, about a thousand and fifty today. Have you got outside of the four asset classes?
0: Well. No, I mean we. Yeah, I guess we have now to the extent that most recently we brought debt into our, our mix. I mean, uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that doesn't work. It doesn't roll. Off, yeah. Doesn't roll off the tongue. And um, check the dot com. Yeah, yeah. Check the dot com. But uh, but effectively, if you think of kind of the the four quadrants of investing in real estate, private equity, private debt. Public equity, public debt. I think we've kind of moved into the private debt space, and you know, I think that's I think that's good. We, I mean, we've we've never, you know, certainly BCI has those people in uh, Victoria, and and they're basically becoming part of Quadrial over the next few weeks. That's exciting for you. Yeah, no, it's great. You know what? Um, now you're kind of a full service shop. You can do a lot. You can do a lot more when you can talk to somebody about the, the full equation, particularly around partnerships, which is great.
1: How do you manage the, the culture? I mean, going from a startup in 2016 to 1,000 employees, you know, maintaining that culture, and, and, and in multiple offices all across the country, right? So, yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's, it's the one thing you,
0: you don't control. I mean, you can talk about it, and, and, and you can tell everyone it's important. I think what we, what we did prioritize was communication. More than anything, if we communicate with people and, and they understand what we're trying to do, then we'll build a culture of trust. And um, I think that was kind of at the base of everything that we that we did and probably spent more money and time on that than anything. And the people that I talked to about setting up a new company spoke about the same thing and communicate, communicate, communicate. And when you think you're done, communicate again. And so uh, so that was the focus. And, and like I said, you buy computers for people, you find a place for them to sit, you get your HR system and figure out how to pay people, you get your systems to actually manage a portfolio property of on uh, what now is thirty billion, and you look at that and you go, the one thing you can't control is culture. You can't buy that. You can't. Does that keep you keep... up at night? No. It, it. You know what? It just. It just kind of happens, and it's the. It's the values of the. Of the people that you that you bring on, and so I've just been so blown away by um, the energy and the inspiration and the quality of the people that have been attracted to Quadrio, not only from the four predecessor companies that kind of created Quadrio, but but since then you know, we have a, a growing international team. We now have offices in London, Hong Kong, and New York. Just phenomenally talented people. Um, the number of young people that have joined us in the last two years from all over, just really inspiring.
2: I know that a lot of your leasing people pick, were picked up from some of the brokerage houses. Yep. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. Uh, brings yeah. good culture into the...
0: It, sure. And you know what? It's that diversity, right? People come from different shops and because the concrete's not dry, <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you know, if someone's got a great idea and it's better than mine, I don't feel any allegiance to what I did somewhere else. And that ability to say, hey, let's try it that way. I think it gives a lot of people uh, some rope to think differently. And that's part of our culture.
1: What Remco can't say, but I'll say it for him, is that leadership's important also. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. It's like laughs> leave leave yeah. him to be modest. Yeah, yeah. there you yeah. go. go. Yeah. yeah. yeah
2: so then what's uh what's next in the next uh, you know five year time horizon which would be multiples more than quadrille's been around yeah you know, so, uh, so we 're on a
0: trajectory so back in uh, call it early sixteen you could say we were ninety five percent Canada five percent international today we're two thirds Canada, one third international mm-hmm. you know so and we haven't done that by selling down domestic our domestic portfolio is bigger than it was back then we 've gone from a little less than twenty billion to thirty billion gross in assets, and to reach our target allocations for our clients, I expect by you know by five years from now, four or five years from now, we'll be upwards of fifty billion gross. Who do you consider your clients? Oh the clients are ultimately the pensioners of British Columbia, BCI, uh, and the Accident Funds of uh, BC as well, WorkSafe, but effectively those are our core clients. Most recently, you will have seen that we with uh, RBC. Created a created a new vehicle to to work with a broader group of clients, so uh, we're selling fifty uh, percent interest in uh, a selection of seven billion of our core assets in Canada. So RBC's institutional clients will take fifty percent. Our clients will hang on to fifty percent, and they'll immediately get access to some of the best best real estate in Canada, fully diversified office, retail, industrial, and residential, and one
2: slice of Canada from. Uh, Ottawa to, uh, to Victoria. In terms well, we're a Canadian focused podcast, but what foreign market are you most excited about? Well, we've got, we're pretty active, you know, I don't say it's kind of one market in particular.
0: It's probably one asset class. We are big believers in logistics. So. I was going to guess industrial. I should have said <laughs> <Yeah>. it.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, so that's where we're putting a lot of emphasis. So we have roughly Forty million square feet of logistics uh, between Canada and the U.S. So,
1: can you define and, logistics just for those listeners that might not so be
0: fully? Just di- distribution, warehouse, and distribution fulfillment, uh, like fulfillment, that... e-commerce driven facilities. So, in the last in the last year, we've done uh, partnerships with Ivanhoe Cambridge and their logos platform in India and in logistics GLP in Europe, and then we have our partnership with uh, LaSalle in uh, in China and. Black Creek IPT in the U.S. So, so kind of a, a space where uh, you just, you know, you, on the development side, you have visibility. You can see when there's oversupply and you can turn the taps off quickly. And, you know, the cost of vacancy, if you're slightly wrong, is not all that bad.
2: Whereas office can really well, drag well, on
0: Well, yeah. I mean, you're, you're paying $20 operating costs if you get it wrong. And uh, there's just no place to hide. So the cost of refitting space is you know, very inexpensive. And, you know, if you look at our logistics markets, honestly, across the globe, they're tight. And so we're getting rental rate growth, and it's a very nice place to adjust for um, what is the transformation in the retail space. What about development? Are you
1: you guys participating in any development across the country, around the world?
0: I would say that we're, uh, certainly domestically, we're one of the most active developers in the country. Mm -hmm. So we have... What type of assets? Office and residential, Mm -hmm. predominantly. Um, condos
1: or a multi
0: multi-residential and condos. so uh, so here in Vancouver, we have uh, the Canada Post site where we've done a large deal with Amazon to take, so let's uh, uh, call it one point5 million square feet of development, one point one million square feet of which is office. We have the uh, Oak Ridge project partnering with West Bank here in Vancouver. that's a massive project, twenty six hundred units, six hundred units. Of oh, that's exciting rental. Yeah. it's spectacular. you know, it's one of the largest projects in North America. And the retail offering is, you know, unlike anything we've seen. So, so uh, I mean, some really cool projects in our home province here in, in BC. And then if you go east, we have two very significant projects in, in Toronto, specifically what we call Commerce Court 3, uh, which is a new tower where Commerce Court South and, uh, South and East are located today, mm-hmm. where we have the ability to do roughly 1.6 million square feet in a phenomenal location, transit connected. And then finally... Baby Village in Toronto, where we've, you know, the final stages of uh, approvals to do um, residential and a retail expansion again. It's a really significant number of units too. I remember reading about this. Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, the retail story is you're taking these incredible locations where you just can't buy the infrastructure. You just can't buy access to transit and being on a subway line and saying, okay, how do I leverage that? And how do I recognize that retail is changing and build something truly spectacular? And uh, um, so- doing that at Bayview village doing that here in uh, at Oak Ridge is, you know totally plays into our view on on uh, where we should be developing
1: so, so I mean, you've you've mentioned a ton of different things and different projects, and you know you're, you're kind of amalgamating different different product lines. You know what what makes you the most excited? You know what when you log in at nine a.m. or eight a.m. or whenever you start work, like what's the first thing you go to? Right, you're a good. Toronto guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's
1: nine to five day, right? So, so but you know what's the what is the thing that you want to get to first? What's the thing that you're you always is keeping you motivated that yeah, really makes you really makes you want to work? You know what? I just think the opportunity is amazing.
0: I mean, like I said. You know, a real estate platform company team of this scale has not been built in Canada in a long, long time. I mean, these entities that you know the Oxford's, the Ivanhoe, Cambridge's, the Cadillac Fairviews of the world—they were entities that were acquired. This thing was created from scratch, and just the energy and the enthusiasm that goes with that is is something that uh, I just love to uh, love to be part of. So it's it's been an amazing journey to this point. You know, five years from now, when uh, our name is a brand name, I will certainly feel some satisfaction in what's been accomplished. Um, it's been a uh, it's been an amazing journey. And what is next? What's next? Yeah. Well, I mean, certainly the growth internationally will be the uh, you know the the biggest the biggest component of our next growth. I mean, we, the execution on our development pipeline and the growth internationally are the are the things that will really uh, define quadrille in the next 36
2: months. So this has been super interesting. Remco is about to speak on the closing panel here at the uh, Vancouver Real Estate Forum. So we'll go and listen to him. He has way uh, more important yeah. things to do now.
0: <laughs>
2: we'll see about that. <laughs> uh, but uh, we thank you for your time coming on, sharing you know, sharing everything you can, and I look forward to speaking to you again. Thanks very much, guys. Enjoyed it. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to the CRE podcast. The information from this broadcast is not to be relied upon as financial, investing, professional accounting, or legal advice. First National Financial LP holds Financial Services Commission of Ontario License Number 10514 and 11252.